Welcome to the Chiropractic United podcast series for February 9th, 2011. This podcast is brought to you by Chiropractic Biophysics Seminars. We have a great, exciting whiplash trauma seminar coming up in Park City, Utah for February 25th and 26th. Hopefully you docs won't fall down the mountain and get whiplash firsthand. You can register now at idealspine.com. Also brought to you by Elite Coaching at www.elitecoachingllc.com. Also brought to you by Posture Co. Developers of the iPhone app known as Posture Screen Mobile. Be sure to check that out on iTunes today. Now, let's get started. Another Chiropractic United begins now. Hi, this is Dr. Fred Domenico. Welcome to the Chiropractic United podcast on February 9th, 2011. Chiropractic United is Dr. Dean Harris and myself. We have Dr. Joe Farantelli joining us. It's an online coaching group that brings research, technique, management, and philosophy and principles and the latest politics in the chiropractic profession to keep you up to date, moving forward, and always prepared with the latest tools to have the most successful practice as we progress now and into the future of the profession. So tonight we have uh, the three of us and Dr. Deed Harrison. Uh, the research junkie that it is, is, it wants to talk about an article on whiplash. Yeah, this so, is a good one. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about this uh, article. Well, first, uh, I'd like to say that in Park City, Utah, coming up this uh, in two weekends, February 25th and 26th, CBP is going to do a detailed overview of whiplash trauma and injuries and consequent treatment. And one of the, the main topics that I'm, gonna, I'm going to be presenting is on the cervical lordosis and alterations of the cervical lordosis as an important outcome after whiplash-type injuries. To, to that extent, there, there's a, a recent article that just came out that I briefly want to touch on, and I'll go into more detail on this article at the Chiropractic Biophysics Whiplash Simmery, or Seminar. And I'll also go into more detail for my first uh, video that I'll be doing for Chiropractic United, and that'll be an online video. It'll be about an hour-long session, and you have to be a member to access that video. But right now what I'll do is I'll bring up the the recent paper and talk about the good and the bad with it because it's uh, going to be one of these articles that creates uh, just a little bit of – uh, an uprise in the profession. There's going to be camps on both sides kind of citing this paper. It just came out 2011 in the journal Manual Therapy. Uh, the article's entitled, Does Cervical Kyphosis Relate to Symptoms Following Whiplash Injury by Johansson et al.? Now, the, the interesting thing is uh, chiropractic authors were actually participating in this project uh, out of Denmark and Norway. Uh, the project is an MRI-based study where they did supine MRIs of 100 with acute whiplash injury. They uh, reported symptoms within three to ten days after the injury, and they were included in this particular project. Now, I don't want to go in, into the excruciating details of the project, but I do want to uh, touch on a couple issues with the study. So we have 171 subjects with supine MRI imaging, and this particular project is looking at the, the uh, relationship or correlation between neck pain and headache after 
uh, whiplash injury and the correlation to uh, loss of the cervical lordosis. They, they broke down the subjects into three groups, a lordotic group, a straight or military group, and then a kyphotic group. One of the, the key problems that I personally see with the study is that they, they don't make any numerical measurements. They just use a linear line from the mid-body of C2 to the mid-body of C7 and then look at the body of C4 relative to that line from C2 to C7 to determine whether or not the subject is straight, kyphotic, or lordotic. So a big problem arises is that we don't have a magnitude of curve. So we don't have quantification, we just have qualification. Uh, the other issue is it's quite obvious that people lay down differently, even though they, they tried to do the same type of MRI positioning with a bolster under the head and neck, you can see there, there's quite a difference in the way the subject's uh, posture is, particularly sagittal head translation. Yeah, I'm looking so at that right now, Deed. Yeah, you can right, really see it. Right, that's figure one. So you, you can see that they, they didn't control for anterior head translation, and they, they really didn't control for the amount of curve they just generically categorized them into three groups. Another issue with their measurement is that that measurement cannot discriminate a true kyphotic neck from an S-curve. Mm -hmm. And really, it, it can't discriminate a, a, a military neck from an S-curve. Um, there are types of S-curves that will give you a linear pattern using the measurement that they chose. So there's, there's a big problem with the measurement method. However, even given that, what they did find is at the initial uh, examination, they found a statistically significant uh, correlation between a cervical kyphosis and increased headache pain on a numerical rating score from 0 to 10. They also found a, a relationship between increased neck pain and cervical kyphosis, but it didn't reach statistical significance. So finding number one, it does say that a cervical kyphosis is a risk factor for initial uh, pain intensity. The, the problem is that they're concluding in this particular paper that a military neck or a straight neck is in fact a normal finding. The problem is the authors allude to it that th this is not actually a study on the neutral position of the spine. It's a study on the MRI non-weight-bearing supine position of, of the spine. So I'm concerned that people are going to misinterpret this and abuse that particular finding. In other words, you, you can't take this paper and use it to refute or to support what a chiropractor does in the office in terms of upright weight-bearing x-rays. The other problem is that at long-term follow-up, they identified that there was no relationship at one-year follow-up between the outcome of the patient and the three curve categories. And th this creates a little bit of a problem because it conflicts with some uh, pre-existing data in the literature on, on the topic. Yeah, indeed. I, I find it amusing there, though. I mean, they, they obviously cited your paper in European Spine Journal. And if they did that, that search, they would have come, came up with uh, Jen McAvaney's paper that refutes this type of uh, methodology as well. You know, yeah. how, do they, how do they do a selective search? And, you know, that's my biggest question. I mean, who's, who's funding this type of thing? Well, the, the main issue is you brought up three things, really. 
is the, the paper that they cite in the European Spine Journal, they actually misquoted us. They claimed that we did seated x-rays. We, we did not. We did standing x-rays. So number one, uh, they either there's a typo or somebody didn't actually read the methods of the paper. They just read the abstract. Yeah, you stole uh, my next sentence, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and point number two is that the studies that we did in CBP on neck pain related to the cervical curves are, are non-whiplash-based populations, so they probably wouldn't have made this uh, in terms of inclusion into describing uh, limitations and discussions of the study. So we, we had in our spine paper in 2004 and in our JMPT paper 2005, we had non-whiplash injured subjects. So I, I can excuse that. However, what you can't excuse is the fact that they, they missed a paper out of emergency medicine by Giuliano et al. in 2002, which was an MRI-based study on whiplash injured subjects as well. Yeah, and that, that was upright though, too. Yeah, well, yeah, and there's strong, there's strong differences between the two, but they should have discussed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the, the emergency medicine paper in 2002 showed, it, compared to a true control group, which this manual medicine paper in 2011 does not have a control group, but in emergency medicine they did, and they found out compared to a true control group, there's differences in military necks between the two groups, and it's a very strong statistical finding. So they neglected that. Um, the, the real issue is, the way I see it, there's two main problems with the long-term follow-up of, of this particular data set in 2011. And I'll just touch on these problems, and then we'll, we'll shift gears to a different topic. Uh, problem number one that the authors address, but many people are not going to read that as part of the discussion limitations, is that at baseline, there there is a difference at in cervical kyphosis between the, the groups. And the more intense pain has cervical kyphosis, whereas the non-intense pain has straight and uh, lordotic necks. Well, they, they had a, a pretty significant uh, drop-off rate at the long-term follow-up where approximately 34 to 35% of the subjects didn't come back in for their second MRI, and most of those subjects were actually in the lordotic and the military neck group. And they, they re- refer to that briefly, and they say this is a limitation that could confound our data at long-term follow-up because it skews it, because you, you get a large dropout of the mild symptomatic group, which is military necks and lordotic necks. So then now we have a problem. You're not comparing the same number of subjects in each group. So that, that's a big limitation that they briefly touch upon. But to me, that, that totally uh, confounds their entire analysis the way I'm reading it. Then number two, all of these subjects were participants in a randomized trial on treatment. So after the injury, they were being treated in different types of treatment. For example, uh, they were being treated with cervical collars and exercise, and that they were being treated with uh, uh, basically home care and uh, educational brochures. Well, there's no mention of in each category of, of neck curve which subjects got what type of care. So you can't really conclude that the cervical kyphosis itself is not a risk factor for long-term problems at, at follow-up because 
you don't know what the different subjects were doing as far as treatment. Maybe, maybe there's more people in the kyphotic neck group that uh, got exercises and, and they actually do a little bit better as compared to the lordotic subjects. Maybe they just got a cervical collar. You don't know. So that confounds the data. So this is a, it's a nice paper on one hand in terms of their initial findings, but then it's kind of a bad study design in terms of the long-term follow-up. And it's got some pretty significant limitations, but I would bet that it's going to be used against corrective care-based chiropractors uh, treating subjects with cervical kyphosis following whiplash. Yeah, I smell a conspiracy theory here. This is this is definitely somebody funded this. I, I don't know these people involved, and I can say that you're the the big researcher. I don't know these people, but somebody's behind this. Now, my, my own ignorance, Steve. From a management perspective, maybe help these doctors that are reported findings. Are there studies that do show long-term follow-up that may show somebody that goes from a loss of curve into kyphosis or any progressive curve changes over time with yes. flash people? Now, see, that's a great point. What we'd have to do is instead of using a supine MRI study, we'd have to go and we'd have to look at some X-ray studies that were taken upright weight-bearing and then what we find out is we find out an entirely different view. For example, a, a study came out in 1983 by Norris and Watt in the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. And they showed that in subjects with a straight neck and a reverse neck curve at long-term follow-up after whiplash injury, they had poor, uh, poor prognosis. And then there's a, uh, a study. Which, which they didn't cite, by the way. Yeah, that's correct. And then, then there's a study in uh, the Journal of Spinal Disorders in 2001 by Kai, K-A-I et al., that is a prospective study on 110 subjects after whiplash injury. And they show that uh, cervical kyphosis is a, is a pretty strong risk factor for poor outcomes uh, at long-term follow-up. Yeah, that's not yes. there either. No. So <laughs> – it, it, it has to do, I think a lot of it has to do with the method of imaging and its non-weight bearing and then the, the method of measurement that they used to measure the, the uh, cervical curve and then some of the problems with, with study design at their long-term follow-up. Still, it, it does show that um, even with that you know, being said, it shows that cervical kyphosis is an initial risk factor for uh, higher pain in terms of neck pain and headache. Well, and that's even true. You guys have the studies. That's what's so powerful about CBP is you have the research backing to make those recommendations and, and defend your treatment plans. And you guys already show with progressive curve loss goes from pain to chronic pain to disability. So, I mean, from a management perspective, you know, in a report of findings, you, you guys have the research that you can say this is a condition that leads to disability. This is a condition, you know, someone comes in with an acute flare-up of a chronic condition, you say this degenerates to chronic pain and can degenerate into disability. You know, and that's progression. There's a lot of doctors that are good at progression. It's just can they, can they communicate urgency? And that's why people are going to pay you today. And that's something in a report of findings, especially with a whip-at flash injury, is using lines like every day that you keep this condition especially with a whiplash and trauma, and if you find ligament injuries, literally, I don't know if there's any studies that show how that ligamentous instability degenerates at a faster rate 
than somebody that doesn't have that. Is there any research that supports that as far as rate of degeneration? Yeah, this, this is a great point, Fred. And, and just before I, I address that real quick, it's really important for the listener to, to understand that management and marketing communication strategies for corrective care chiropractic offices need to be in line with current trends in the research and past trends in the research. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what Fred's trying to tie in here. And that's what I'm trying to bring up with uh, some of these studies here. Because you don't want to be outside the standard of care when you're recommending long-term care in these cases. Uh, so more to, to the answer to your question, is there information on degeneration following uh, whiplash injuries with abnormal curves and instability? And the answer is yes. There's uh, one of the, the papers that is cited in this 2011 study is by uh, Hull, H-O-H-L, in 1974 in the Journal of uh, Bone and Joint Surgery, the American edition. And what Hull did is he followed uh, uh, just over 100 sub or 140 subjects for about five years, initially, immediately after a whiplash injury, and then five years following it. The important thing is these subjects had no pre-existing degenerative joint disease, but at five-year follow-up, what he found was a significant correlation between reversals of the cervical lordosis at the segmental level and the DJD that, that developed. And his conclusion is reversal of the cervical curve is the cause of DJD because the, the kyphosis was, was pre-existing prior to the degenerative joint disease. And then five well, years I later... You guys have studies, and quote me if I'm wrong, but that I think there's medical studies that prove degenerative joint disease leads to a shortened lifespan. Is that in, true? In certain cases, some types of degeneration is uh, correlated to cardiovascular problems, uh, and it's a chicken or the egg argument of which came first, but degeneration is correlated to uh, cardiovascular risk factors for uh, heart attack and stroke, and then certain types of uh, compression fractures and degenerative kyphosis uh, in the thoracic spine can lead to uh, early death in several studies. And, and those types of uh, issues we can bring up in either in other podcasts or our online videos for the subscribers to uh, Chiropractic United. Well, I think this is what's so powerful about our message is that, you know, people are waving the subluxation flag out there, yet you have the research that shows it's not just segment, but whole postural curve changes really support uh, health and, and disease and, again, all the way right to a shortened lifespan to cardiovascular problems. Like you said, and I think... One of the things that the profession's missing, which is which is why we do this, is is people should be able to cite these, or maybe not cite the references, but at least have the confidence to a patient to say, this is what this leads to, and having that confidence where you're not watering your message down. I think that people water the message down, and that's one thing medicine and other healthcare providers, they may not buy our philosophy, but now it's not a philosophy, just a philosophy. Right, right. Fred, it's research. It's yeah, true, and Fred, it's proven. Fred, you bring up a good point here because, you know, I do a lot of personal injury out of my practice, and I have done a very good job educating my local medical community on 
on these types of subjects, I would bring these papers, I would bring the whole paper with me when I would meet with medical doctors and, and surgeons. It's usually the surgeons have a pretty good idea about this, but the general practitioner has no clue about this. And when they get those medical reports of those radiological reports and the patient saying, hey, look, I got, I got neck pain, and they say there's nothing wrong, and I've educated them on the reverse neck curve, they already know, well, hey, you need to go see Dr. Ferrantelli because he knows how to fix this. And it's because of the research that I learned you know, from Deed and his father that I had the confidence to go out and educate the medical community. And that's one of the reasons why we get so many new patients from medical uh, providers is because of this type of thing. Well, I would say, you know, chiropractic has spent so many years dogging on medical doctors. Yeah, we may not agree with their treatment. But when you look at, at the principle and philosophy, that's where all the sick people are. So when you look at the principle and philosophy of chiropractic, that's where we should be getting our new patients from. Let's get them out of their offices and get them fixed. And the, the thing is, they're frustrated, but they just don't buy our philosophy. And this is what's so powerful in why CBP is at the tip of the spear of chiropractic, not only now, but as we progress into the future is that they love our science. Mm -hmm. And we're finally getting the science where if you have five medical doctors referring to, you know, this is what we teach in elite coaching. Mm -hmm. Oh, we yep. lost you. Uh, Fred, we lost you. Well, let me think. Well, go, go on, Deed. He'll uh, dial back in. Well, what I, what I wanted to say is uh, Fred actually had to get going, so it might actually be a timely thing. We'll see if he comes back on is one of the, the reasons we're doing Chiropractic United, uh, Dr. Fred and, and I, is uh, a, a lot of our doctors over the years we've lost track of. They, they just they uh, learn from us, and they may fade away. They may think, oh, I know everything again, or, or not everything again, but I know all the material again. They don't realize that we, we do improve and that we do keep up uh, with information and try to change our our uh, techniques and our, our coaching strategies, but also it may just be difficult for doctors to, to get to a seminar and travel. And so the nice thing about Chiropractic United being online, doctors can go online and download at their leisure and watch hour-long DVDs of uh, updates to CBP technique and some of the research that we're doing and some of the research that I'm reviewing. And then they can uh, download and, and look at some of the uh, management and coaching strategies that Dr. Fred brings uh, to corrective care chiropractic practices to teach you how to get paid for. Yeah, it's a perfect uh, mesh. It definitely is. Definitely. Yep. Just as an example, I got uh, a call this week from a doctor, and I, I won't mention his name, but he certified with my, my dad back in 1997, and he was upset that he wasn't listed on the CBP patient website at cbppatient.com as certified. In fact, he wasn't even listed there. And so I, I had to have my receptionist tell him that, hey, you haven't been to a seminar in 14 years, not even one. Well, it's, yeah, don't, don't worry. Nothing changes in 14 years, Deed. Right. right. The thing is, it, it's always been a requirement to update yourself every two years with a seminar, let alone 14 years. And then you know, what he doesn't realize is how much he's missed in the last 14 years of, of CBP technique. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I just think of how much we've changed since you and I were in school. My goodness. I mean, of just the, all the different types of traction that we've we've come across. It's 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 a shame that people have fallen off like that. But they yep. just don't. I, I think they just don't know. Um, yeah. 
That, that's right. And hopefully th- this type of venue with the, the podcast and then the online uh, access for the, the subscribers, it'll, it'll get them to, to realize, hey, there's there's quite a bit of new changes that are ongoing in CBP technique and in uh, management with Dr. Fred. So th- that's the uh, great thing with Chiropractic United. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess uh, we, we lost Fred and, um, you know, we're going to be doing these at least we're trying for every week. We're going to have a new topic for you. And I know you're getting ready for the uh, Cal Jam seminar, and you're being very secretive of what you're going to be bringing to uh, the the uh, the Coliseum-type atmosphere. Uh, you won't even let me know. Um, uh, did you want to say anything about that before we go? No, I'm, I'm, just, uh, <laughs> I'm just really excited. Oh, oh, okay, hold on one second. Hold I've on, I think we lost you. Okay, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, I just I have some you know some standard and some some new kind of ideas to th- throw out there for the audience. Uh, there'll be some things that are uh, great for the beginning doctor with CBP, and and hopefully I can reignite the passion for the the existing CBP doctors. And then I'll have a couple fun little things to uh, to show and throw out there too, just unique for Cal Jam. Yeah, you know, and see, I'm trying to get you to slip up a little bit, you know, and I thought Billy would be, uh, you know, he'd be listening and hopefully that we could give you a little hint, but boy, you're really tight on this one. So I, yeah. I won't, I won't know this until you give me the, the files to finish the CD uh, duplication. Yep. Tight lipped. Well, tight lipped you are. All right. Well then I guess, uh, Deed, we're going to go ahead and uh, give it a close and we're going to shoot for this again on um, the next, uh, next week, probably a Tuesday night recording and release this in iTunes on, on Wednesday. Okay, Fred, so we uh, recovered your, your call. Uh, we just finished with uh, Dr. Deed. He had to uh, leave. And, you know, I wanted to go into a little bit more about how, you know, you, how when you came into my office, you know, I've been doing a lot of personal injury for a long time, but just the way that you tied it in so that we, we could make a better, uh, more emotional uh, connection to the patient about a whiplash injury and, the, and how severe this trauma is to the spine. Did you want to talk a little bit about that before we uh, end for tonight? Well, Joe, as Deed said, there's research that shows that ligament instability and progressive loss of the curve and weakening of the curve not only cause more chronic pain, but leads to faster degeneration with research that shows your body will get sicker and even up to a shortened lifespan with certain postural distortions. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, you get people that, that have this subluxation philosophy, even people that are into postural correction using CBP and, and techniques to fix people's spines, and then they have PI cases, and all of a sudden it's different. Yep. Well, it's a PI case. You know, the thing is, when you look at what our real responsibility is, is where does a philosophy start and stop? I didn't know there was a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. I thought it just is. Mm-hmm. It's like a law. So why does a PI why is a PI case any different than anybody else? In fact, I feel that we have a responsibility to take them through through a full program. And as we talked about, you guys are going over in your CBP seminar, the Whiplash seminar in Park City, is that there is evidence to show to be able to diagnose and to be able to prove the types of treatment, corrective treatment plans that these people really deserve. And I think, you know, one of the biggest problems is taking a PI case for a doctor, when you're into, truly into the principle of spinal correction, and then you're, you're changing your whole program 
because of the way they pay, you know, you're living outside of your core values. Mm -hmm. And then that's when it gets really frustrating. So one of the things that we do in Elite, and I'm going to do at your Whiplash seminars, is show people how to give a report of findings so that person wants to correct their whole spine yep. and how you can prove it to get full correction with research and documentation. I mean, I'm not going to go through the documentation, but you can take a case that someone might settle for $3,000. And I know this may blow people's minds, but there's CBP practitioners that are elite clients that are getting fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars because they can prove the dangers of these injuries. Yep. Absolutely. And even as, even aside from the money, you know, even when I practiced and and other people in elite, people will stay to get spinal correction beyond what their case yep. will pay. And if you haven't, people listening to this haven't had that experience, then that's in your day one. That's in your report of findings. There are ways to do it. Now, you may not hit it 100% of the time, but you can certainly get it a lot more than way, than what you might be getting right now. It's all communication. It's how you influence a person to see things differently. Yeah. And really, the main thing is here, we want to help people live within that principle. PI is only the way they pay. As a person coming into the office, they're in more danger and more urgency because they had a soft tissue trauma than someone that didn't. In other words, a loss of cervical curve with a soft tissue injury is far more dangerous than just a straight loss of cervical curve without soft tissue injury. Yep. So we have the responsibility to be able to fix these people and teach them that they deserve a, happy, a better lifestyle because if they don't do it, they're gonna get sicker faster than the average person walking around out there. Yeah, and we're responsible for that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a lot of these these patients, that's their first time they've ever come into a chiropractor is the cases that, you know, they, they know that, you know, a chiropractor is um, known as being a, a very good, um, effective treatment for, you know, whiplash injuries. So a lot of my patients that have come in, they've come in first for whiplash and it's nice to see that, you know, I've treated them, you know, five years ago and they're still coming in for wellness maintenance uh, care as well, you know. Well, that's right, Joe. And you know you're doing your job when in a report of findings, and I'm sure you've had this happen and I've had it happen many, many times, where a patient is hurting from a car accident and they go, I'm glad I got in an accident yep. because I would have never known my spine worked is going to affect my health this way. Yep, absolutely. And absolutely. that's powerful. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Fred. Well, thank you for coming back on. Sorry you had – what was that issue you had? Your computer I had a little decided, technical difficulty. Yeah. yeah, my laptop decided to update right in the middle of when I was getting all fired up there. Yeah, I know. That that was great. You guys gave me a, a hard time last time, and, and now I'm the only one that didn't have any technical uh, glitches. But yeah, uh, So go. that was good. I guess probably next time I'm – We all take turns. Yeah, we'll take turns. All right, Fred. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we will be back. We're going to do this again on – Tuesday of next week and hopefully have it ready for submission to iTunes for Wednesday. It really depends on Dr. Joe's schedule on that. A little pressure on me. Um, but um, if any of you would like to um, write in with a suggestion on what you'd like us to, to cover, we're open to that. And Fred, do you have an email that you would like them to, if they have a topic that they would like to hear covered uh, or have questions for you uh, or Elite, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, you can email me at Dr. Fred, D R F R E D 1, the number 1. So it's Dr. Fred 1 at msn.com. 
Wonderful. And of course, we all know you can get in touch with us through CBP at uh, www.idealspine.com. I'm Dr. Joe at Ideal Spine, and Deed is Dr. Deed at Ideal Spine. And we look forward to another podcast coming next week. So we'll see you then. Sounds great. Okay, bye-bye. Take care.